Hello and welcome to Film Inquiries, the latest. This is a podcast series tackling the latest movie news, movie trends, and movie releases. I'm your host, Jesse Nussman. And spring is in the air. I have on the other line, straight from the lake, the beach bum himself, Daniel Feingold. Daniel, you know, I just imagined you at the beach today looking. I don't know why I made the beach bum, you know, reference, because my image of you today is just as James Franco in Spring Breakers when he's like, got got my dark tannin oil, going to lay out by the pool. I don't know if I feel comfortable with any James Franco comparisons. Uh, And you know me, it's, you know, big, big outdoorsman over here. You know me, how much I love the sun. No, it was it was more of a sit by the pool day, not the uh, not like a lake day. But uh, yeah, it, it you're is just mentioning out. that you were doing something outside today, kind of like shocked me. Yeah, I mean, if it if it helps at all, it was mostly an indoors visit, and then we sat out by the pool um, and uh, got some got some room service food. And it was a delightful few hours, and now I'm back and inside, uh, hold up where uh, I am most comfortable in the dark. Well, speaking of being inside and in the dark, uh, yes, I figured we'd kind of do like, yeah, we'll we'll kind of do a bit of a. This is going to kind of be a bit of a grab bag episode where you know there there's a bunch of stuff coming out at the movies, but it's i couldn't figure out any sort of overarching way to kind of tie them together i mean if you if you can come up a way to tie in a nicholas cage vampire movie with like a kelly reichardt movie and then like a movie about blowing up a pipeline that i still haven't seen like you know we can we can weave all that but um you know i i thought this would be a a good a good chance to just do a a kind of like off the cuff fun light episode you know i think you and i uh, we have some tv we want to talk about which rarely happens on on this show it's a great time for tv but first let's talk let's talk about the movies you and i went and saw a movie last week a movie called renfield that um i really felt i needed to have you on for because you're you're one of the nicholas cage scholars in my life and this is a a vampire action movie in which Nicolas Cage plays Dracula, although is not crucially the lead of the movie. Dracula is a supporting character. If you could not tell by the the title of the movie, it is, you know, it is Renfield's movie. Ren- Renfield, of course, the what what is he? He's a real estate agent. It's been a long time since I've read Dracula, but the the man who essentially comes to Dracula's door and is sort of hypnotized by Dracula into becoming uh, Dracula's sort of servant. And his, is played in his this. familiar. Sure, sure. If we want to use more, you know, specific terms. And is played in this movie by Nicholas Holt, who I don't know. What what are your thoughts on Nicholas Holt? Just as just as a performer. Uh, I think he's very solid. I don't like go to the movies to see Nicholas Holt, but I think of the things that I've seen him in and like his performances. Usually like for more more rather than less, I like his movies as well. How about, how about you? I don't, we have he's yeah, not he's yeah, not exactly he's, a big topic of discussion amongst no I didn't I didn't know if, or anything. Yeah, I didn't know if you know you had some like secret kind of in your back pocket like oh yeah I secretly think he's one of our great actors like he I I think he's 
he's really interesting in some stuff like the favorite or the Mad Max movie. And then other times I see him and stuff and you know, he's, he's a little bit boring on screen and that this is maybe a case where, you know, he's maybe a little bit boring on screen. I, I am so curious about, I mean, you and I have been kind of texting about this movie all, all for the last week because I walked out. We saw this with another friend of ours. Um, We walked out. He had a good time. I think you walked out and you were like, Ah, that was kind of like not what I wanted. And I walked out in just like <laughs> fuming in sort of disappointment and dis- not even disappointment because I don't know that my expectations were that high, but just fuming in sort of like disgust and shame um, at what I thought was like one of the worst movies I've seen in like the last several years. But, um, do you, do you care to elaborate on, on more of your thoughts since you are the, the Nicolas Cage scholar? Nicolas Cage, who I should mention is like the one person in this movie that I actually enjoyed watching, but I can get into more of my issues in a bit. On paper. And even a, a friend, the friend, in fact, who, uh, I, I just visited said when seeing a commercial or the plot summary for Renfield and who was in it was like, did you write this movie? Like this sound, this on paper, this is like the most Daniel movie. And so you said disappointed may not be the right word for you. I would, I would definitely say it's the right word for me. Disappointed, not just in that I didn't like it. Disappointed in that it feels like such an easy thing to do right. Mm-hmm. It just, it, it is such an easy premise of like Nicolas Cage as Dracula in a, what appears to be or is marketed as like an action comedy. Uh, yes. And then you have Aquafina, Nicholas Holt, and Ben Schwartz, p- three people who I very much like. Aquafina and Ben Schwartz in particular, I adore. Ben Schwartz is the voice of Sonic the Hedgehog. I will forever love him for that. And Nicolas Cage, as previously stated on this podcast, and to whoever I can shout it to, I love unironically. I am an actual fan, not a fan because it's funny to be a fan. I think he is a singular talent. And he also played kind of a vampire in a little movie called Vampire's Kiss in the late 80s. And it is about a yuppie who is having like a mental breakdown and descends into madness thinking that he is becoming a vampire. That is a much better use of your time than seeing Renfield where he is actually Dracula. Uh, I would probably just, agree. And that's a movie that I don't even like as well. And I, I still don't like, but would say that vampires kiss is at least like a much more interesting movie that I don't like than, than, than this movie, which I, I'm so curious to ask you, how do you think this came about? Because the thing that is so odd to me about this movie is it's such a hodgepodge of like random different things. Like it's kind of a vampire movie, but it's also kind of this like cop gangster drama where like Renfield and Dracula become like caught up in this war between the New Orleans, not even the whole police department, just like the one hard nosed cop in no-nonsense cop in the New Orleans Police Department, played by Aquafina, curiously, of all people, and this, like, drug empire that runs the city. But then it's also kind of this, like, 
superhero movie where Renfield can take eat bugs and then he gets like Dracula superpowers. And it's also kind of this like meta Deadpool thing where like I I admittedly kind of knew we were in trouble when the movie kicks off and then there's like that freeze frame and you hear the narration of like, yep, this is me. Bet you wonder how I got here. And that to me is usually like a dead sign of like, oh gosh, this is going to be like a one of those meta voiceover movies that's going to really get under my nerves and just like yeah everyone can't be good fellas you know what i mean like everyone can't be fight club or what whatever other like two or three good movies have actually like employed voiceover and that kind of like meta fun playing with the 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 sort of the confines of the movie you're watching but i'm how in the world do you think that like this got put together? Cause th- this it's, it's just such a like odd grouping of things that I think the biggest thing about this movie that like really, I, I just like could not stand at a certain point is just like none of these pieces really fit together to me. They all feel like strands of different movies that are just sort of like awkwardly competing against each other. And everyone in the movie with the exception of cage who, you know, cage as 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 you kind of hinted at, you know, he he's a very theatrical actor who loves going big. He loves performing to the back rafters. And I'm sure he just saw like, oh, they want me to play Dracula. I don't even care what the script is. Like, I'm 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 gonna do I'm sure that's irresistible to him. And he's having a ball. But even everyone else in this movie seems a little bit kind of like, what movie exactly am I in? Is this serious? Is this funny? Is this a action movie? Is this a horror comedy like what what on god's green earth is this movie that i'm in so on paper the movie is renfield is seeking help from a support group because he is in a toxic relationship specifically with his boss who Uh is dracula so it is it is a in that sense a dracula comedy about toxic relationships harassment uh a a funny bit that i've yeah, a funny bit. I think that would have been a great SNL sketch. And then, like, also as I was watching the movie, I was like, "Oh, is this the only joke? This is this is kind of a jo- one joke movie in a lot of ways." Well, then they're telling that story, but then uh-huh. they throw in the cops versus the mafia. So you have hmm. that, and they shoehorn that in, as opposed to like making Aquafina just like a member of the support group or somebody he meets while out on his goings-ons and looking looking for people to to feast on right someone who's like like, what what are all these dead bodies with bite marks in them or something like that like that's what i thought she was going to be introduced as when i see her saw her as the cop but then aquafina as we know her father was also in the police force and he was killed and so she's trying to kind of make her father proud in his memory and be the, be the, be the dutiful good cop. And then we, we also come to learn her sister is in the FBI and her sister has kind of taken a different approach with how she is coping with the loss of her father. But then we also have Ben Schwartz in his go, his dealings with the mafia and he's pretending to be a tough guy, but he's actually not a tough guy. And he kind of has mommy issues. His mother runs the whole organization and then they team up with Dracula at a certain point, and then 
Renfield is teaming up with Aquafina, who knows all of his misdeeds. And so it's like, it's also about redemption and it's never too late to still be a hero, even though this guy is an admitted mass murderer over generations. And so it's just like, it, it's so there, it's so bogged down and weighted down with all this bullshit that does, like you said, does not go together. And to be clear, to be clear, it's not that like, like this movie is what it is. It's Renfield. Like there's, there's, but that's, that's, I think that's the problem. Like there shouldn't be, for lack of a better word, stakes. There shouldn't be stakes. And they, the movie tries to have stakes while also still being ridiculous. And it never really feels fully in on the joke. Like this is coming from someone who just loved Cocaine Bear and loved Super Mario Brothers. Like I, I am totally down for a movie that has nothing to say or that is just there to like, distract you for 80 minutes 90 minutes this is 90 minutes and i was slowly dying in the theater like and it was different different from <laughs> pun pun di- unintended there yeah, different different from the the experience watching moonfall with you where i kind of dragged you out to that of like this is gonna be so bad it's good like this is gonna be so dumb it's gonna be fun and it wasn't this was more like i was ashamed of myself for like ashamed of myself so the movie actually had the exact opposite approach of the the self-worth and you are worthy enough and you deserve good things messaging that i was trying to get across for the renfield character Mm -hmm. i just felt like shit because i was like why did i do this to myself oh no how much longer is this okay are we finally getting to the climax here okay finally okay we're almost done thank god why did i think that this actually was gonna like be a good time i feel like an idiot and that is to say there are moments where like i giggled or chuckled or like it does play off of the dracula-ness of it a couple times well um i always sure there's that fun bit at like the beginning of the movie where like they actually like insert uh cage and nicholas holt into like the old like 1930s bella lugosi dracula movie and and that that moment came up i was like oh that's you know that's that's clever way to like use your you know universal backing this movie to kind of like get to do that fun little flex but that's about like i mean that's what 30 seconds of this in this like i mean i mean to 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 not to like get us off on a whole other thing which like i don't even care to get into until the movie actually comes out but you and i have been joking in text messages about this possibly four hour long martin scorsese movie and it just being like i this movie's 90 minutes and this movie fell it's like the roger ebert quote of like no good movie is too long and no bad movie is too short like this this is a 90 minute movie where i thought i was in that theater for 2000 years but and and it was just like what i would give what i would give for a a four-hour martin scorsese movie even if it is like a c plus b minus martin scorsese movie (laughs) In, in my inane ramblings, as I get way too overheated about how bad this movie is, the point is, I think, I think the main problem for me was it's trying to be earnest. It's way too earnest mm-hmm. in, like a, in, in, in a not earned way at all, a not effective way at all. Like just, it like wants to take the therapy aspect of it seriously while also like kind of making... It's it's like it it introduces it as a joke, but then by the end, like wants you to sort of take the kind of whole like therapy arc of of Renfield 
as like the serious emotional thing he has had to overcome and that's kind of an odd choice even the aquafina character and her sister and their dynamics and like caring about the stakes uh, involved in like is her sister going to be okay that we met one time and then also but also like renfield and aquafina's relationship i keep saying just renfield Aquafina. i i I don't let, let me her name that is that whole subplot just Re- officer feel, rebecca I, quincy yes like they, they just, also have zero chemistry together zero chemistry like, aquafina is like partially doing some dramatic acting but also doing like kind of her aquafina shtick but with with really no good writing for her at all where she just kind of no like, they're just like there's like okay he's gonna rip this dude in half and you're gonna like react and it's gonna be funny and we'll just like go from there so to it, i guess it to honestly feels question, like her like trying to like that character was not written as a comedic character and her like trying to pull any kind of joke out of it but just like i don't even ne- think it's necessarily like the the joke she's given aren't that good i i don't think she's given like anything to do really like it's it's written as this like i mean i haven't seen the screenplay but it's you know what i mean like it feels like it's written as this much more serious character than it actually is because she is like so brooding for most of the movie and it's like this this is an odd role to put her in that i don't quite understand it's just it none of it works and it's uh, it, it again on paper it's such an easy it should be such an easy fun dumb like 80 90 minute movie and it tries to be kind of everything where it just like in describing the plot where it's like has all these different like subplots and all these different layers that don't add anything at all and it's it's way it's not nearly over over the top enough it's not in on the joke ever it's way too earnest it gets the absolute least out of its cast it's just like so to, to answer a question of like how how something like this comes together. It does feel like a situation where they're like Nicolas Cage's Dracula, and then go from there. Like they then just go, or I'm sure, or did you I'm get sure. the feeling of like like that this is a movie just sort of like created for the memes? You know what I mean? Like this sort of feels like something that's been kind of algorithmically generated. Of like, what do people like? Okay, vampires. What if what if gang- gangsters? Okay, but superhero movies that's really big. So what if Renfield has superpowers? And um, you know, people love Nicolas Cage. He's 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 all over like meme culture. So like, what if we bring Nicolas Cage in? He can be Dracula. Oh, people love Aquafina. Let's bring her in. And like before too long, you get like what this this just feels like you grabbing at sort of things that like it's a Mad Libs of movies. Right, scrolling through like what's trending on Twitter today, and of like let's put that all in a movie or something like that. Yeah, and like sometimes less is more. Sure. I just I I I I don't understand. Like it's it's confusing to me. It's confounding how how something kind of this dumb on paper could just be this bad and like not self-aware whatsoever. I'm getting I the more I think about Renfield now, the angrier I get cuz it's like why what, why well, couldn't, well, what, well, let's 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 change to something to something happy. We we've already talked about what is just like a totally shit movie for like almost twenty <laughs> minutes at this point. We're <laughs> we're giving this movie more thought than probably the people who made it uh, gave it. Um, Dan Daniel, you know we very rarely talk about TV on this podcast, and I decided right before we came on that now would be an excellent time to talk about TV because 
Daniel, as much as you know, you and I like going to the movies and getting our our popcorn, and you getting your Dippin' Dots, and getting mm. getting a, a nice a nice cherry Coke to to wash that popcorn down with. Um, TV's TV's really good right now. Like like I am getting more enjoyment out of the TV I'm watching than the stuff I'm going to see in the movie theater. As much as I'm also going to like at the end of this episode convince you that you really need to see the new Kelly Reichardt movie. I I did want to talk about just how great the the just the television landscape is at the moment. We don't have to get super in depth with all of these shows. Um, you know, I I w- we will be non-spoilers but you and I are both like deep in the weeds of succession in its final season. Um, you've been watching beef, this Netflix series that I'm kind of curious about that has Ali Wong and Steven Yoon in it. I've been also watching yellow jackets, which to, to kind of go off of like, um, you know, what you sort of said with the, you know, in our Renfield rant, like of you just wanting something that knows what it is like, Yellow Jackets is kind of the perfect ver- that show knows it is kind of like pulpy fun nonsense and is just like fully weird willing to be gnarly and weird every single week and is like it's not trying to be like the elevated craft beer you know that's that's been barrel aged or anything it's like this is a you know it's a PBR and it's a shot of Jameson and like enjoy it um I don't what- drink beer so I cannot relate to that you yeah, I guess you can. I guess you can I understand. relate to I that. understand what you're saying. <laughs> you I'm, understand I'm just, it. Yes, yes. <laughs> but but I what what's what's sort of captivating your mind at the moment with with TV? Because I I should say I also caught up with you're not a Top Chef person. I've been watching Top Chef. That's just like my competitive sports as someone who's really into cooking. Um, I'm fascinated to see if you're going to give me about like five minutes to just like rant about how bad the Mandalorian is this season. But you know, this, this kind of is like the Oscar season for TV because I, you know, we got the Emmys sort of qualifying cutoff coming up. And so like people are trying to get like a lot of their big series in before the, the end. Um, So I don't really know where I was going with that, but TV. No, this beef is great. I had only heard good things. uh, And I figured I'll check it out. It's a miniseries. I'm much more inclined to watch something that's kind of one and done because um, I don't want to invest in something that's then going to get canceled or just like, you know, I'm not in the mood to like start like a six season, like Game of Thrones type thing where it's like, all right, let me dedicate the next like five years of my life to this now. So um, you don't even like doing that. If What if the show is over? If the show's over, I'm probably more inclined to do it. Well, you're like, you're just not down if it's still going. Yeah. Okay. It's just it's just a tough like beef beef is like 30 to 40 minute episodes. Perfect. Uh-huh. 10 okay. 10 episode season. I'm 5 episodes in and I cannot say enough good things about it. Um it is about So so sell me on this cuz I'm I'm a little I'm a little concerned like the the Renfield thing that it, I was like is this like one joke that's kind of feels like because the the premise of the series is it's like ali wong and steven young like they have some sort of rivalry and they're just sort of like playing elaborate pranks or just tormenting each other like i i don't i don't know does that sustain itself for for 
five hours or however long this whole thing is? Well, so far, yes, uh, because okay. it, it starts with the road rage incident, and then it escalates into them increasingly becoming uh, more involved in each other's lives um, in bad ways, uh, just asserting themselves into really tenuous and, like, uncomfortable situations. But it's also very much an exploration of, like, what each of them is going through in life and kind of the different social classes that they're in, but how they're both also kind of in miserable situations in their lives. Not kind of, they are. Like, they're they're deeply unhappy people, and that's reflected in the fact they had this kind of over-the-top, like, even for a road rage incident, like, really aggressive for what was, like, a very minor indiscretion that started it. Um, so Tuesday here in Atlanta. Basically, yes. Okay. Any any kind of short trip down the street in Atlanta. Um, it's, I, I will say, it's not fully a comedy. It's a dark comedy, but there's drama. It's suspenseful at times. And it does a really kind of clever episodic thing of leaving you hanging with wanting more after at the end of each episode where it's like oh wait okay they're oh they're doing this now okay gotta gotta so i'm also enjoying it i'm also enjoying not fully binging it like i'm basically watching an episode or two each sitting um though it is very bingeable like if i could stay up at like midnight and just watch the rest of it tonight i I would do that um I think I think you should check it out. Granted, I'm halfway through, but I've been told someone was like, "Buckle up for the final two episodes, buddy." Okay. I think, and I think I expressed this to you. I do think, and maybe it has already been renewed. I'm trying to stay away from any kind of spoilers, so I don't know what the future of the series holds if there is one yet. I do see this potentially being like a White Lotus anthology type series for Netflix if they want that, where you could even have a different showrunner every season. I don't know. But you could just, you get a different cast. You start the season off with some kind of relatively normal interaction, whether it be road rage or just some kind of awkward encounter, and then explore these people's lives. And it could be about, you could be exploring class, structure, social, whatever social theme that you want to in the way that White Lotus does. And have it run for however long you'd like because you're going to keep switching it up. Do you think this is kind of like a a swing in the positive for for Netflix? And in, in terms of like, does this seem like the next if it if it is to be something that is kind of like renewed several more years? Because net Netflix to me feels like it's sort of in need of a new kind of central zeitgeisty show. Like the crown is pretty much wrapping up. It doesn't seem like this last season of the crown was like as big as it previously was stranger things. There's only one more season for I, I saw hardly anything that wasn't about beef on my Twitter timeline these past couple weeks. It's just, maybe it's just the people I follow, but this seems like a show that, a ton of people are are watching so i'm 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 curious do you get the sense that this is kind of like or is there any other show that i'm not thinking of that you know at, it's it just seems to me like netflix has sort of like lost their kind of place in the the central zeitgeist if I would, so to speak I would, I would, 
I would say Wednesday has to be like. Netflix I guess that's true. Yeah. And like, when is Squid Game coming back? That is true. That's that's those. I guess are the other two that are sort of like lurking in in the background. I think it's too soon to tell with Beef. Granted, like I was like Twitter still kind of exists to me when Wednesday was happening, and mm-hmm. I'm not like Twitter doesn't isn't in my world right now uh, with, with beef. So I, I don't know how so I, I, I do know, like I kept sawing, I kept seeing things about it, hearing things about it, but it wasn't like, it wasn't because of like film or TV Twitter. Um, yeah. So I am curious, clearly it did well. And I saw that like, they're, you know, they're, they're going to push this hard for the Emmys. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I, from my perspective, I think it's too soon to tell um, what the future holds. And like, Given given the immense success of Wednesday, I'm sure they are putting as many eggs as they can into that basket going forward. Yeah, it just seems to me like, you know, at least in our friend group, like, HBO has been sort of like the, the, the center of our kind of television discussion for the last several months. Sort of like wrapping up last year, you and I's friend group, like, all we talked about pretty much was was White Lotus, and then that sort of gave way to Last of Us earlier this year, and then now Succession really is sort of like it. And that feels like you know has has kind of taken the baton away. It just sort of seems like a baton going from like one HBO show to the next. Of they had probably I think the most buzzed about show of last fall, I think the most buzzed about show of this winter season, and now probably the most buzzed about show of uh, the spring with Succession, which is, you know, I, I'm i fascinated to see if if this show is going to, as much as I despise the term stick the landing, I, I'm, I'm curious whether this show, I, I think if it, if the level of quality that I think the show has sustained itself for three seasons on continues for these last six or seven episodes and, and how brilliant Jesse Armstrong and his writing team are it, that that would not surprise me. Um, I, I don't know. I think this could go down as like a real like hall of fame pantheon show. I think we could be talking about it up there with like, the Wire and The Sopranos and Deadwood and Game of Thrones. I mean, well, Game of Thrones has maybe gone down a couple notches in some people's estimation. But, you know, I, I think this could be in that upper echelon of the, like, great HBO dramas, if if that makes sense. Yeah, who who would, I mean, who would think that HBO still, still cranking out classics just like they were over 20 years ago now? Like, it is, it is the, the dominant now streamer but dominant network of like prestige television mm-hmm. bear and I, I think i don't know if you mentioned barry's back bear barry's um, back i'm i'm i mean that's another one of like and that show seems like it's <laughs> it's almost funny to bring that up with succession because succession is a, a drama that i think could often be like the funniest thing i've seen on tv in years but Barry is also ostensibly a comedy that I think in like its last season, um, you know, that that show has gone to some pretty messed up dark places yeah. now. And like, I'm, I'm almost like, I'm excited to, to dive into it. I think Bill Hader is, is such a 
fascinating creative figure now um and i think it's been so interesting to see him go from i i think just like one of the funniest people i've ever seen on snl to like oh this guy is actually like a hardcore movie nerd like me and you know has all these obsessions with like the cone brothers and like weird japanese films from the 60s and then now seeing him kind of funnel all of that kind of fun niche um interest into this dark comedy i don't know it's just morphed into this like very thorny odd complicated character study that is is different than what i would have imagined him doing like it when, when this show even first started i think it is kind of like morphed into to something else yeah the way that last season really turned the tables i guess you could say on being like oh wait no this like this person that we kind of liked is actually just just flat out just a terrible person and makes everyone else's lives worse if he doesn't just outright kill them yeah um and also, I feel like we're doing a that, great job at, at at selling this for people. I'm I'm just imagining <laughs> people in my life who are listening was like definitely not checking that out. But I mean, it it it's got a little bit of that like it's kind of got that taxi driver thing, no? Like you yeah, know of yeah. of of you form this empathy with this character he he has sort of built over these last several seasons, and much as sort of you get to the end of of taxi driver and you know it it is who is this this person that i have been sympathizing with and identifying with and has this much darker you know force living within him than i i this much more like nightmarish monstrous force that lurks within him than i than could have ever been imagined and that's that's kind of what's happening with this show which i i think is just so interesting Kind of like with, you know, Dexter, except at the end he becomes a lumberjack. Oh my god. Uh, and just HBO... Do you like massive... that show? <laughs> I did. And then it okay. just it <laughs> went... At, like, if we're talking about... Like, if, if you were going to continue down the road of, like, Game of Thrones, then maybe, like, Lost and Dexter of, like, great show. Like, it would have been that horse meme where, like, the, the front of the horse is drawn perfectly and then it, like, gets to just be, like, a scribble at the end. Um... That's I gotta be honest. I only liked like two seasons of that show. I liked the the first season and the one with uh John Lithgow in it. Those were like the only two seasons. I, I think yeah, I stopped watching after the four. Lithgow season. But oh, you you missed a lot of really terrible shit. So, I and what, I, don't, I don't mean that in like oh depraved. <laughs> I mean like just bad television. One of my friends from from back home in North Carolina. His he, I'd be he's may he's maybe listening to this but he's like a huge dexter fan and has watched that show numerous times and the the level of the sort of roller coaster ride of emotions when they brought the show back what was it like a year or two ago and he was like oh my god they're gonna they're gonna right the wrongs and he was like so bullish about like the show is really good now it's the best it's ever been and that it's still crashed and burned over the course of a season and he's like now where they've ended have has made it even more mad than like where they initially left off at well now i gotta read what exactly happened because i i refused to watch when it came back i was like if this is like if like i if if everyone in my life is like yo you really have to watch this like after it's already done like they have seen it through to the end and uh-huh. then told me like no it's it, it is great like absolutely like the last season of dexter is one of the worst that would like it just it was a slap in the face of fans but also going and tying this into dexter that's a show that went on 
much longer than it ever needed to. HBO is like doing the, this massive flex of, oh, okay, succession, you're just going to end after force. Like we're, you're just going to do what you wanted to do and tell the story and then get out. Barry, you're going to tell the story. Bill Hader, we're not going to like hold you to doing eight more seasons of this. And Last of Us, things could change, but it seems like they're going to do. There, there's a finite season, right? Yeah. And it's not like this kind of, if you will, Netflixication of extending things just for the fact that okay, it did well, so we have to keep this going for infinity. Yeah, I, I, I think. It's even more interesting to me with the succession thing because from everything I've kind of read and understand, that seems to be a decision like the the writing team kind of came up with in in the moment. Like they didn't go into this season thinking, oh, this is going to be the final one, but then just sort of like the way it kind of progressed that they were just like, well, that I mean, where else is really there to go? Like this is, we might as well just end it now. Like we, the, the places that were sort of, spinning towards are are coming quicker than we would have imagined and and i i admire that i you know i admire the ballsiness of of that show and the sort of fearlessness at which it seems like they are willing to sort of put themselves in corners and then figure out sort of fun ways to get out of that corner it, it also just occurred to me like you know last year you and i had so many conversations about all of these all of this pop culture at the moment that that seems to be reckoning with wealth inequality and and what what we think of the super rich in this world and us kind of talking about how stuff whether it be i mean you enjoyed the menu more than i did but stuff like the menu or glass onion or triangle of sadness kind of falling short and and really i mean i think white lotus is in its own sort of weird way another good example of this but you, you know, Succession to me really feels like it is the show that is sort of best encapsulating that critique at the, it, not, not even show, it is the work of fiction that I think is best encapsulating kind of those themes and ideas and showing you sort of the, this, this compelling, often hilarious group of characters that you, you both sort of mock but also like as as i think a lot of people saw in the episode that aired last week um really empathize with but there there is a tragedy in that empathy of you know this being a a story about how like capitalism corrodes people from the inside out and about people who th this sort of level of wealth you reach where like you know it's all about kind of like more 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 like what can you acquire what can you who can you screw over like that's how you feel alive and then like that numbs you to any other kind of normal human emotion um i that's just stuff i've been thinking about in these last few weeks and you know i i don't know that i would have come to that without thinking about all of that other work of fiction that we got last year where you and i just had numerous conversations of like ah, this this is hitting it a little too on the nose or th this just isn't working for me. And, and I, I think it really was that third episode of this show where it really clicked to me of like, Oh yeah, this is, this is the track as, as funny as the show is as thrilling as it often is, as much as I love the characters, like this, this is a show about how like 
wealth corrodes and how like the top one percent of the one percent are just like soulless people who like cannot connect to each other i think to wrap us up here uh i wanted to encourage you to go see the new kelly reichardt movie uh showing up which i got a chance to see the other night um you weren't able to make it so i I wanted to use this opportunity to to convince you it is worth your time what are are, would you consider yourself a kelly reichardt fan I wouldn't say I've seen enough of her work to. I'm I'm not not a fan, but I don't want to. Yeah. I don't want to like. I don't want to. I don't want to put the fan hat on as right. an imposter. Yeah, I, I. She, for my money, is I think one of the signature American independent filmmakers of the last few decades. Um, th- this new movie of hers, uh, stars Michelle Williams. It's their fourth collaboration together after uh. Wendy and Lucy, um, which I would say if you've not seen a Kelly Reichardt movie before, I would say that's probably like the best, the best one to start with. Um, and they also work together on Meek's Cutoff and Certain Women. Uh, Kelly Reichardt's previous film, First Cow, I should mention, um, probably my favorite movie of 2020. Um, although it kind of unfortunately just got released like the weekend that lockdowns happen. And so it was sort of a movie that like kind of came and went in the culture because there was other more serious things we were worried about back then. Um, this new movie of hers, I I think it is, it is her. I've seen a lot of people say it is her funniest movie, but that seems like a weird label to put on. Cause I don't know that I consider many of her movies quote funny, but it, it is her, it is her warmest movie. And I think is this really carefully observed comedy drama about, uh, this sculptor who is sort of prepping this upcoming art show she has and dealing with all these various different dramas with like friends and family and coworkers that are constantly distracting her from her work. And it is at on one level, I think this very kind of subtly moving look at a level of artists who make art not for any kind of like success or fame, but just because it's like this compulsion within them. Like they, they just need to do it. Like the art that Michelle Williams character is making in this film, it's not going up in a museum, you know, it's, it gets shown in like the small little gallery and like some friends and family come and see it. It's like, it's but, like Michelle Williams as Steven Spielberg's mother in the Fableman. She's not doing it. But she's not but taking that role for any kind of glory. It's just because she she wants to portray the role. Yeah, well, that's interesting that you bring that up because I would say, you know, this is a like totally other end of the spectrum Michelle Williams performance of how sort of, you know, expressive and extroverted she is in the Fablemans. This is a very like introverted kind of quiet performance. Um, but I I I think she's really really good in this there's an incredible just the role that hong chow is on at the moment of just being i did not know she's in this she's in this and is like the best thing in this movie she's basically like um michelle williams landlord slash neighbor um they rescue a bird together it it is just hong chow in this movie is like a, a ray of sunshine that just like every time she walks on camera, I, I just had this like big grin on my face of just 
it, it, it's it's just such a fun presence to watch in the movies um and and is so so good in this it's also got andre 3000s in it um it's got an i, I mean another big daniel person from the fablemans uh judd hirsch judd hirsch oh. is in this movie yeah okay great cast yeah i it's i had a very very pleasant time watching this and and you know i know kelly reichardt's movies can sometimes be a little bit of tough sells for people because they are minimalist they are slow moving she is a director that likes to luxuriate and sort of in silence and let characters actions speak for them more than words. But I, I just kind of soaked into this movie, like a warm bath and, and by the end of it was, was moved by it in ways that I was not really expecting. Um, so I, I would say if you are, if you are heading out to the movies anytime soon, I, I would highly encourage people check this one out. And, and, you know, if you haven't seen any Kelly Reichardt movies, I mean, they're, they're all, I don't love all of her movies, but like mo- most of them are well worth. I would say all of them are well worth at least seeing, even the ones that kind of work less for me. But um, certainly, if you've not seen Wendy and Lucy, I think that's a that's a good one to start with, and then you know check out this one. I love Beaks Cutoff, but I would probably say that is not the one to start on. No, <laughs> absolutely not. And out of out Great of experience, movie, I, I think I, that was the very first one that I watched, and mm. I had to like revisit it this past weekend because I remember the first time oh, I saw you, it. Yeah, I what you what you think? I, I mean, I liked it a lot more watching it watching it I now. See, I think yeah, I yeah, see, yeah. I I fully sort of connected with more of what that movie is doing, whereas the first time I saw it, I was just like, this is the most excruciatingly boring thing I've <laughs> ever seen. Um, and now I, you know that that's that's a very deep, very like you know pay, purposely patient movie that i i think the the quote boredom for lack of a better word is is part of putting you in the headspace of of those characters sort of lost out there in the wilderness um daniel as always it's great to have you on Thanks I'll, for having I'll, me. I'll see you around the block um next week more like disappointment boulevard right uh next week uh Dealing with uh, Ari Aster's three-hour nightmare comedy trip through his mommy issues. We're, and we're talking Bo is Afraid. I'm seeing it tomorrow. I'm very, very excited. I'm hoping it's going to be a very rich text for us to unpack on this podcast. <laughs>